Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? It is Self-Coaching Christians Month in the Christian Health Club when we focus on mind management. Every October, I put members through a month-long program of daily mind work over one specific health goal. I was so happy to hear Dr. Jones talk about mindset being one of the most important things when it comes to taking charge of your health what he has discovered, and what many of us who work with clients and patients on health goals have discovered is that the difference between the people who get results and don't get results is mindset or mind management, as I like to refer to it. Because as your nutritionist, as your functional health practitioner, I can give you all the how in the world. I can advise you on what to do, and I feel really confident in that, but I can't apply it for you. I can't eat for you. I can't drink water for you. I can't exercise for you. I can't sleep for you. I can't fast for you. I can't get sunshine for you. I can't de-stress for you. I can't take the supplements for you. Only you can get the results for you. And every action you take or don't take comes from the way that you think and the way that you feel. Your life is a reflection of what's going on in your mind. Where you are in your health goals, your relationships, your career, your finances, everything is a product of the way that you have been thinking. And that can be a sobering revelation if you're struggling in any of those areas of your life. So you got to break this down and figure out where the disconnect is. The more you manage your mind, the better results you are going to get in your health and in every area of your life. Most of us don't take the time to do this. You know, most of us don't even know how to do it. And that's why we find ourselves stuck in ruts, spinning our wheels, and not making any headway in our goals. And that is why I put my people through a month of learning how to do this and applying it. And it's really quite magical for those who do the work. Because honestly, when do you really sit down and make yourself figure out why you're not getting the results you want in your life, why you're not achieving your goals, how you are actually sabotaging yourself without even realizing it? So I have learned, just like Dr. Isaac Jones has learned, that you have to make this part of the protocol or the prescription um, to help your clients reach their goals. Now, in the Christian Health Club, we use scripture and we use a tool called the model that I learned from life coach Brooke Castillo at the life coach school. I was in her self-coaching program for about a year. And even though it's not a Christian program, I could see scripture all over it because that's the lens that God puts over my eyeballs. So I took what I learned from there and integrated scripture with these life coaching concepts and created this month long program called self-coaching Christians, where we learn to coach ourselves 
through issues that are holding us back from our health and our life goals. And I've talked about the model before, that tool that we use, so I'm not going to reteach it here um, or talk about that whole concept, but you can check out the blog post I have written called How to Be a Self-Coaching Christian. And I also have a private video um, that I give to the Christian Health Club kind of explaining the model, and I'll link to that. Um, in the show notes. And that will be the only way to access the video unless you're on my Sunday send out email list, then you already got it. I send a lot of these things I talk about here directly to my email peeps, whether it's an article or books or supplements or whatever. So you don't have to go hunting and pecking for it um, on the website or wherever. Um, I know your time is precious and I want to respect that. So if you want information more directly, make sure you're on my Sunday send out list. So speaking of that, time being precious, let's get to the point of today's podcast, which is one of the concepts I learned in the self-coaching group I was in, and it's called the 50-50. Now, when you saw this title to the podcast, you might have thought it might have had something to do with macronutrient ratios or food (laughs) or something like that. But no, it's nothing like that. Although, although the 50-50 can definitely influence our eating and whether or not we reach our goals, which is why I want to talk about it today. So the basic concept is this, is that life is not all rainbows and butterflies 100% of the time. Part of life is positive and part of life is negative. We are all going to experience pain, suffering, hurt, loss, sadness, failure, discomfort. It's part of the human experience. Now, had we not chosen to disobey God, and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, perhaps we would not know evil and not have to experience the more painful parts of humanity. I believe that's what God intended, you know, a cushy garden life (laughs) where we get to spend our days in perfection with him. But unfortunately, that's not how it went down. So, you know, I really believe he wanted to shield us from all the badness. But in our free will, we chose otherwise. We separated ourselves from him And it's only by the blood of Jesus that we are reconciled to him and will return to the blissful existence with him in heaven. He is the only way. But our life on this earth is not going to be perfect. We are not promised perfect circumstances. There are going to be times, lots of times, when life is challenging. We could say that about 50% of life goes, you know, exactly the way we want it. And the other 50 does not. It reminds me of that song, um, Joy and Pain. Do you remember that song? Was it the 80s or the 90s? I don't know. Joy and pain. It's like sunshine and rain. Pump it up. Pump it up. I love that song. (laughs) I think it's, um, what is it? Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock. Oh, my gosh. That was was all up in that back in the day. Okay. Sorry. Now, on a daily basis, this 50-50, okay, it might shake out more to be like, 70% of your day is going great and 30% not, or 20 of your percent of your day is going okay and 80% is not. But let's just say on average, life is about 50-50. And I think that we can all agree that we have had some hard 50, hard 50 in the last year and a half with all of this pandemic business going on, right? But it is how we show up in the hard 50 that determines so much about how we experience life and why it is relevant here. And the reason I want to talk about it today is that it affects our health goals 
because what tends to happen in the 50-50 is overeating and overdrinking. We use food and alcohol to soothe, to numb, to avoid, and to buffer our feelings so that we don't feel bad because nobody wants to feel bad. And we do all that we can to absolutely avoid feeling bad. When we use food or alcohol to do this, it's called emotional eating and drinking. And we can do it in response from everything to like feeling like the world is about to collapse, um, to our kids making us feel crazy, to our jobs stressing us out, to technology not working. That has all happened to me (laughs) in the past week. A lot of times... We do it unconsciously. We might overeat or overdrink or emotional eat, emotionally eat unconsciously. Sometimes we are well aware of it, but we just feel like we can't stop. I've shared in a previous episode about um, how I would find myself standing in front of the fridge and be like, wait, why am I here? <laughs> like, what am I doing? And realizing that I do this when I get stuck when I'm working. You know, like usually I'm writing something or I might be going through some really tedious lab results for a client. This just happened to me. I was going through some blood lab results and I was like, "Ah, sigh, and I just want to get up and go somewhere. So I go to the fridge, you know, subconsciously kind of wander over there and open it and look inside. And then you kind of wake up when you're there and you're like, what am I doing? But it's these kinds of behaviors that cause major derailment of our goals, You know, and for all of the effort that you put into eating well and exercising in that 50% when, you know, you're feeling it, you totally sabotage it by the actions you take in the other 50%. And then this ultimately makes it harder to show up well, even when things are going well. You know, the emotional eating and drinking takes a toll and we don't fully show up as our best selves in the 50. That's going great because now we have this extra weight and hangovers and body aches and exhaustion and sickness. And instead of waking up fresh and feeling blessed and ready to crush a new day, you have a headache from over drinking or pain in your joints from sugar binging or bloating, you know, from stress eating. And then usually there's all this guilt on top of it, which just makes it so much worse. So ultimately, our actions in the hard 50 are adding insult to injury. And we know that the actions we take start from our thoughts. And thus, we must get a grip on this by managing our minds. Pain, sadness, grief, discomfort, failure, boredom, all of these things are going to be part of our human lives. But we get to choose how we show up to it. The thing is, We are taught to avoid pain, but not really how to manage it. Think of when you were little and you fell down or something made you sad and your parents said something like, you're okay. Don't cry. It's okay. How about a cookie? That'll make you feel better. (laughs) We learn from an early age that negative emotion can be fixed by something external. Now, listen, I'm not dogging our parents or even us as parents because you can betcha that I have done this and do this with my kids. I try not to, but again, we're human, you know, try to catch myself, but it's so much easier to let them stay on their iPads all day (laughs) than deal with their whiny complaints or it helped to help keep them occupied, you know, when you're trying to work. You know, I am more aware of it. And so I do try to do it less. Um, But I'm also aware that when I'm stressed now, I understand why I'm trying to cover it up with cookies and wine, you know, because this is how we're taught when we're little. So for us as parents, it's definitely something to be aware of. Um, 
I will give you an example of uh, not being perfect with this. I still have to, I have to manage my mind every day. I use these tools every day, y'all. So I just had a situation, a very stressful situation happen with one of my sons. Um, having kids is like the perfect example of a 50-50, you know, because part of the time you love them so much, you feel like your heart can burst out of your chest. And the other part, you want to wring their neck. Well, the other day, the other night, I was so angry and so upset that I took to the vino, y'all. <laughs> it was actually a Friday night, so usually I'm having wine anyway. But instead of a few glasses, I kept going and I stayed up till midnight watching TV. I was watching Ted Lasso. And the next day, I was exhausted and I had a slight headache. And I still had this situation with my son. So, you know, like the TV and the wine helped momentarily escape from the pain but it was all still there the next morning, plus some, because then I just had headache and exhaustion to go with it, which made it all feel kind of worse. But I will tell you what I did do. I cried my eyes out on that Friday night, and I don't cry all that easy. I'm more likely to cry in a tender moment, you know, like when I'm really grateful for something or when something moves me like a song in church, I can cry at the drop of a hat with that. But I don't really cry when I'm upset. I kind of suppress it. But girl, I let it rip on Friday. In fact, I cried four days straight. <laughs> this is really, this was a really hard fitty <laughs> for me. Um, and even though, you know, I still felt kind of crummy and I still kind of do feel crummy about this situation. It's a little bit ongoing. Um, it really did help to just express and release that emotion. I did a lot of self-coaching. I'm still doing it, but right, you know, when over the weekend, uh, last weekend when it was happening, I had to do a lot of self-coaching on the situation with my son and examining my thoughts around it. And one thing that I had to confront, one thought I was having, which I'm not proud of, but I do think it's common, is the fact that part of what was making me so upset is how I feel like his actions reflected on me as a parent. So my son made a bad choice, total moron. And my thought was that everyone will think I'm a sucky mom. And that embarrasses me. Okay. And so as I was working through a model on that, I'm like, what do I, when I feel like that, what do I do? Well, I want to drink more wine <laughs> to cover up those bad feelings. I want to shrink back when I see other people. I want to stay angry at my son because I'm, I'm making it feel like, you know, he made me feel that way. And then I'm just in a bad mood. So I lash out at the rest of my family. So having that thought that, you know, his reflection, his actions reflect on me. Um, everyone think I'm a sucky mom, which is kind of that's really the thought. That thought does not serve me. It is not going to lead me to the way I want to handle this situation. And had I not taken the time to acknowledge and confront all the thoughts that were going through my brain, like that one, had I not self-coached, those would have continued to fester and lead me to handle things in a much poorer way than I want to, you know, to not show up as the person and mom that I want to be. So I was able to reframe my thoughts and choose ones that serve me better. Because remember, thoughts are a choice and you get to choose yours. But if you don't take the time to manage your mind, to examine the thoughts that are popping up to see if they align with who you want to be, you will act from thoughts that do not serve you. So one thought that I chose to think is 
this is an opportunity for me to be a good mom. That instead of feeling like a bad mom, I can step up to this situation and really help my son. Now, I'm not going to pretend like it's all happy rainbows over here. Okay, I'm still struggling with this situation. Um, mind, ban- mind management does not mean that you are going to be happy and positive 100% of the time. It's the hard 50. My husband and I had to impose some steep consequences on my son, you know, and he's having to live out on a daily basis right now. And it's so hard for me to watch. Even though I want to wring his neck, I am so sad for him. I almost can't stand it because I don't want him to feel bad and be sad. But I know that he has to. And I know that it is the right thing to do as a parent because I'm shaping him into a better person. In Romans, Paul says, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We have some serious character building going on up in here, (laughs) both for my son and for us as parents. You know, part of the relief I got when I was crying um, was literally crying to God and asking him to please give me guidance on what to do and give me strength to follow through with teaching my son these consequences and not caving in. Because frankly, this is not my gift. This is not my strong suit as a parent. My kids know if anyone's going to cave or not follow through on a threat, it's me. Um, But I felt so much better and strengthened after praying because what I felt God saying is that you're not raising him for you. You're raising him for me. So basically, get over yourself. (laughs) A little straight talk to my soul from the Lord. Um, But it was so good. So good. This idea of suffering producing character and facing discomfort head on and on purpose came up another way for me recently. So my husband and I went to Taos for our anniversary. You might have seen pictures in social media or if you get my Sunday send out, you kind of already know the story, but just bear with me. Um, but we we went to Taos for our anniversary and we love to go hiking with, with when we're there. I've had this goal of hiking to Wheeler Peak, which is the highest peak in New Mexico and it's in Taos, in the Taos Ski Valley, um, for several years now. So my husband and the boys did it a couple years ago. And I stayed home with Blair because she was too little to go. But since then, it's kind of been secretly on my bucket list. You know, my my oldest son came home that evening when they had summited that peak. And he's like, Mom, you've got to do it. And you better do it before you get old legs. <laughs> like, oh, thank you. Thank you, Ben. That's some good motivation right there before I get old legs. But, you know, I was like, well, you know, he's right. There's no time like the present. Um, so this was a good opportunity for my husband and I to do this together, you know, over our anniversary. So I told my husband, okay, maybe, maybe we'll do this. I didn't fully commit to it, but I started preparing anyway. I started wearing my hiking shoes on my daily walks um, instead of regular tennis shoes, kind of help break them back in, you know, because I don't wear them that often. And then I added an extra hill to my route my walking uh, route to build more stamina. And every day I talk to my best friend, you know, almost every day when I'm walking and I was telling her what I was doing. You know, like I'm breaking in these shoes. I'm thinking about doing this hike. And it was, you know, I kind of wanted some encouragement from her, but also accountability. Like I'm putting it out there. Um, so hold me to it, you know. 
But as the trip drew closer, I started doubting. And I started talking myself out of it, thinking of all of the obstacles I was going to have to face. My feet had been hurting just walking around town in my hiking shoes. I mean, my bunions were barking. And I was thinking, how am I possibly going to hike up a mountain, which will take hours and hours, if my feet are hurting after one hour around here, you know, my daily walk? Plus, I knew that we were in Taos, you know, we're going to be celebrating our anniversary and having lots of heck yeahs. And boy, did we. Wow. Um, But that was not going to put me in tip top shape for the climb. You know, I guess I could have said, no, I'm not going to drink wine or champagne or espresso martinis. (laughs) But I did not do that. I drank them anyway. (laughs) I I knew that about myself as part of the celebration. So I was like, I'm not going to maybe may not be feeling like my best self to go up a mountain. Um. And just the thought of how difficult it was going to be, I mean, because my husband's like, it is hard. You know, he's telling me about it. I'm like, this sounds horrible. Um, But it made me quit before I even got started. And I think a lot of us do that. We think about how hard it's going to be. And we let ourselves fail ahead of time because we don't even try. But on the 10-hour drive to Taos, my husband and I listened to a book on Audible that totally changed my perspective. It's called Fortitude by Dan Crenshaw, who's a U.S. congressman and a former Navy SEAL who lost his eye in Afghanistan. So if you've seen the congressman who wears the eye patch, that's him. As I listened to him talk about BUDS training, which is training for the Navy SEALs, and it stands for, I think it's basic underwater demolition. I was listening and I thought, Gee whiz, like climbing a mountain is like a drop in the bucket. It is absolutely nothing compared to what these guys and gals go through. Like it's almost unbelievable. I was just squirming in my seat just hearing him talk about it. I was thinking, why on earth would anybody ever want to be a Navy SEAL? And it's actually a miracle that we have any, (laughs) considering what they go through. And not only that, but hearing his story, um, and hearing him talk about what he endured on the day and in the aftermath of losing his eye, he had to lay face down on this like special table for six weeks to take the pressure off of his optic nerve. He couldn't see, he couldn't move, he just had to lay there and do nothing. I mean, that alone can make someone crazy. But in the aftermath of losing your sight, almost losing your life and and having lost, you know, a lot of life around you, like all your comrades and your friends. I mean, that's a lot of time to spend in your own head laying there like that, just still with nothing for six weeks. And man, you could let that spiral you into a very bad place. But he had his moments, he said, but he gained a lot of perspective and he managed his mind. And he came out of that experience with gratitude and motivation. He has this whole chapter in the book called do something hard. And so I'm going to kind of paraphrase it um, for you here. He says, in adversity, difficulty, and meaningful suffering, there is transformation. Now, this has been wiped away by a society who values comfort and pleasure over accomplishment and triumph, who seeks to strip away hardship at every opportunity. Because y'all remember, we don't want to feel bad. But he says, physical suffering with purpose in mind is a truly transformational path to mental health and meaning. What you should do is scatter challenges throughout your life. The pursuit of meaningful suffering must be habitual, must be a a new part of your routine where you dedicate yourself 
to occasional bouts of self-imposed suffering because deep down you know you have become too soft. It doesn't have to be physical, but it can. But it could be getting a college degree finished, sticking with an exercise program, sleeping on the floor or outside, running a marathon, learning a new skill, finishing a household project, practicing an ethic of forgiveness with people you despise, devoting yourself to a charity, walking up the escalator instead of riding it, fasting for a full day, sprinting until your legs give out, doing a polar bear plunge or taking a cold shower. But whatever it is, the challenge needs to be self-imposed. The hardship needs to be habitual. Good habits cannot be forced upon you, and the hardening of the mind and body is not something that can be done only once. It must be built up consistency, consistently and with regularity. Those dumbbells, they don't lift themselves. The longer you wait, the harder they become to lift. Voluntary hardship elicits a totally different response than involuntary hardship. Voluntary stress is purposeful suffering. Involuntary hardship is just torture. Voluntary hardship builds resilience so that when the involuntary, involuntary suffering comes, you are better prepared and mentally equipped to deal with it. He goes on to say, for Christians, our faith was founded on the ultimate act of suffering by Jesus Christ, the ultimate act of love and mercy. Without suffer, suffering, there can be no redemption, no mercy. In the raw human sense, without suffering, there can be no resilience to adversity. Suffering can be a building block for both spiritual health and mental toughness. Fortitude is a welcome and necessary attribute. Rather than trying to erase suffering at every opportunity, we would be wise to value it and to seek it out. A life unchallenged by hardship is a missed opportunity. So go do something hard. Y'all. <laughs> I was like, are you speaking to, you talking to me? It was like he was talking to me right through the speakers of my car. And I looked at my husband. I was like, okay, we're going up that mountain. Now, I knew I could do it physically. I knew I could. I mean, I was like, okay, my bunions might really hurt, but I, I can do it. But it was the mental part I was struggling with the mental hump of subject, you know, subjecting myself to the pain and suffering that I knew was going to come. But I did it. And it was awesome. And it was horrible. <laughs> all at the same time. There were steep stretches where I had to stop every 30 seconds to catch my breath. And we had to pick our way across these scree fields. I'd never heard this term, but my husband was like, these are scree fields. And they're just these fields of boulders and broken rocks. They're real uneven and they're just hard on your feet. And there were times I felt like my quads were going to explode. But I remembered something that Dan Crenshaw said that his, uh, his SEAL instructors always said at BUDS training. And they said, pain is weakness leaving your body. Y'all, I left a lot of weakness up there on that mountain <laughs> in so many ways. Now, what's cool um, about getting on top of Wheeler Peak is that there's this capsule where a notebook is kept. And so once you get up there, you take the notebook out and you can sign it, like to make it official, to prove you've been there. So that just felt really cool. Um, we signed it. We took pictures. We ate our lunch up there. We had taken some tuna packets and apples and granola bars. And there were other people up there and there was just this sense of accomplishment and camaraderie, you know, like, look what we just did. And it was really an awesome feeling. 
And I, I really was proud of myself for enduring the physical feat of it, but so much more proud of the mental part I was able to come overcome. You know, like I said, I knew I could do it physically. There was nothing to stop me but my mind, my mind wanting to avoid and resist pain and suffering. And so basically what Dan Crenshaw is saying is that if we purposefully seek out our own hard 50, you know, on our own terms, then we will better be able to handle the involuntary hard 50 of the human experience. We build mental resilience and can face emotions head on instead of hiding our face in a bag of chips or over drinking night after night to numb the pain. And everything he said resonated with me so much and really made me appreciate the people that I surround myself with. You know, who was it? Was it Zig Ziglar that said, you are the, you're the product or something like that. You're the product of the five people that you hang around with the most. So, you know, you're the people around you um, are really important. And, you know, my husband, my, you know, my husband, my family, my husband who challenges me to climb a mountain, you know, or gives me the strength to follow through disciplining my children, my friends um, who encourage me and hold me accountable and who themselves actively challenge themselves regularly. And I was thinking about the Christian Health Club members um, because I'm so involved with them on an everyday basis. And this is what they do, you know, and they are there seeking self-betterment, improvement and challenge. You know, after the first round of Feast of Fast that I ran in 2017, okay, I cannot believe I've been doing that for four years now. But the first round was, you know, the kind of the back to school round. And then right after that, people were like, I want to do it again. And I was like, you want to do it again? I mean, it's going to, you know, it's going to be the same thing, right? <laughs> I'm not changing it. It's the same program. They said, yes, we want to do it again. And so that's how the holiday round was born. People wanted to challenge themselves to uphold themselves to a higher standard of self-control during the holidays, you know, because the holiday season, these last few months of the year are when people gain their most weight. And so we did the holiday round four years ago, and that was so successful for people. And of course, they wanted to start the new year really strong. And so I ran the, the new year feast of fast round. And ultimately what happened is that there were, you know, were some people that just never wanted to leave the group. And so that's how the Christian Health Club came to be. And it is because these women want to stay challenged physically, mentally, and spiritually. They want to be good stewards of their bodies as holy temples. They want to overcome limiting beliefs. They refuse to let their relationship with Jesus fall through the cracks. They like these challenges that we do, like built-in sugar detoxes and super fast that we do every few months when we do Feast of Fast. And the seasonal detoxes where we only eat veggies and fruit. For some of us who love protein, that's suffering. <laughs> and they like that every October, we work on managing our minds. And they like that we do all of this rooted in the love and glory of our Lord. And what is so cool is like, it is like being in a room of women who all love Jesus, honor their health, and manage their minds. I just think the world would be a better place <laughs> if they were full of people like that. And so it's why I feel I'm just in incredibly grateful to God that, you know, we have the Christian Health Club and that it came to be not because I was like, OK, I'm going to create this membership group. It was driven into creation by the momentum and desire of Christian women who want to constantly challenge and improve themselves. I think that is so awesome. Now, in the Bible, James says, consider 
it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. A life without discomfort, y'all, is not a thing. It doesn't exist. But discomfort presents the opportunity for growth, whether it's involuntary or voluntary. We know that involuntary is coming our way, okay? That's the human experience. That's the hard 50. But when we choose to voluntarily challenge ourselves and train our minds through discomfort, we can handle the human experience so much more gracefully and peacefully. St. Paul did this. He said, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. That is the 50-50 right there. But God has put into our human spirit the ability to overcome. He gives us strength when we don't have it. We have his power, and we have the power to choose how we're going to handle ourselves. How are we going to show up in the hard 50? Are we going to eat our way through it? Drink our way through it? Lash out at people through it? Get in bed and cover our heads with the covers through it? Shop our way through it? Are we going to stay at the bottom of the mountain? Are we going up? I'm going to share one last experience of discomfort with you before we go today. Actually, it's not one experience. It's an ongoing discomfort that I feel as I try to live out this calling um, that I feel God has put on my life. It is uncomfortable every single day and has been since the day I felt the stirring in my soul to be the Christian nutritionist. I've told you this before, but I'd like to remind you of it because I know there are a lot of Christian health professionals out there who feel this calling but struggle with the business side of it like I do, whether it's the technology or putting yourself out there on social media or dealing with finances. I mean, all three of those things make me want to put a fork in my eyeball on a daily basis. I'm still uncomfortable when I hit record on a podcast or do a live video in social media. Actually, you rarely ever see me do a live video in social because I'm so uncomfortable. I, I finally hired a CFO to look at my financial numbers because I don't do numbers. I'm not kidding y'all. Y'all know I don't do like, you know, counting calories and fat grams and all that. I don't like math. I also don't like finances <laughs> and I am uh, irresponsible when it comes to my business finances. So I finally hired somebody to force me uh, to look at it and it is so uncomfortable. I don't like that reality. <laughs> um, I have technical difficulty with one program another every single day. This podcast, y'all, is enough to, oh, I love it because I love this part when it works and I get to talk to you. But the, the technical part is just sometimes is too much. Last week, on top of everything being stressful with my son, we were having so many technical difficulties with so many things. And it's, it's all of these things. You know, like there are days I just want to give up. Like, I, this is not worth it. And if I didn't have the faith that what God has called me to do, he will see me through. If I didn't have his strength filling in the gap in my weakness, I would not be here. You know, we have been working another big thing that's been hard um, is we've been working on a major shift behind the scenes. 
And I'm about to move all my people, my Feast of Fasters and my Christian Health Club members off of Facebook. I am calling it the Exodus. <laughs> yes, because of the Bible, but also because I love Bob Marley. You know that song? Exodus, movement of the people. I am moving my people. <laughs> and I've been wanting to do it for so long. And we finally figured out a new way to run everything where people don't have to get on Facebook to join Feast of Fast or the Christian Health Club. I have just felt this very strong sense of urgency to get my people off of Facebook. I feel like the Holy Spirit has been stirring me to do that for quite a while now. Um, just like it doesn't feel safe. Like I just feel like this, you know, warning in my soul, like you, you got to get everybody off of there. It has become a pretty you know, stressful space, you know, and I don't like, I don't feel like I'm helping people be a good steward of their health or their time for that matter, by keeping them there. So my team and I have been working so hard. And there has been some definite discomfort along with that because it's been a big pain. But on the other side of it, or on the top of the mountain, the experience is going to be so much better. You can't grow without discomfort, my friends. And I have grown a heck of a lot <laughs> just in these last few weeks. My goodness, from the top of the mountain to the tears in my wine. But it's all a part of the 50-50. I hope that today's episode has given you a lot to think about and encourages you to manage your mind and to know that you have so much power to choose how you experience this gift of life and all that comes with it. Um, Feast of Fast registration will be opening soon, and I am proud to say it will not be on Facebook. <laughs> Hallelujah. So come join us for the holiday round um, and hold yourself to a higher standard of stewarding your holy temple. Challenge yourself um, through November um, with some self-control. You will be blessed by it. I can promise you that. Um as always, when I do one of these episodes, talk about discomfort. Like when I reveal my brain to you, it's very uncomfortable. I'm like, oh my gosh, what are they thinking? But I hope it's all for the better. I really do hope it um, inspires you to um, not just treat mindset and as something that, you know, like just blow it off or not know how to do it. Really, there are ways to do it like this. I love the model. And go check out these these few things, um, that these resources that I have for you in the show notes um, because it is so important for you, my friends. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.